What's going on, guys? So uh, welcome, Russell. Uh, welcome to my podcast team. So uh, we're going to do an NBA show in just a minute, but first let's do an intro episode. So uh, Russell, how's it going, man? Doing well, Loro. Thanks for uh, inviting me to be on your weekly podcast. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. going to be a good time, but I know you're specialized in basketball. So, uh, Russell, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So tell me about how you became a Laker fan. Tell me a little bit about your family and all that. So go ahead. The stage is yours. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I've been a lifetime Laker fan. Um, I guess first off, uh, I'm a been married for about three years. Um, I have a wonderful wife, and we have uh, about a 16-month-old daughter. Uh, her name is Porter, and uh, so I just graduated actually from Utah State University with a degree in political science, um, and then I'm off to Washington D.C. this fall uh, to do an internship there, um, and then head to law school after that. Uh, so uh, that's kind of my future plans, exciting times in my life. Um, but uh, is your yeah. future plan to be a uh, sports guy too? Yeah, my uh, ultimate dream is to be either an agent or to work in an NBA front office. Um, wow. So hopefully, you just graduated from uh, you just graduated from Utah 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 State University. So you were not a Utah Ute. You were a Utah uh, Utah State something. Yeah, Utah State Aggie is what they call them up here. Oh, that's what I meant because they have a basketball team too and a football team. Yes, that is correct. Yep. So I'm excited to have you on my weekly podcast. So, uh, so tell me, uh, so, so you've been married for three years, haven't you? So, yes. You, so what's your, uh, if, if you don't mind me asking, you know, what's your uh, wife's name? My wife's name is Avery. Oh, not, pretty good name actually. But, and tell me where you're from and all that. I'm originally from Montana, uh, born and raised in Montana. Uh, and then just moved to Utah to go to school. So, still and are you here. moving to Washington D.C. in the fall? Yes. But now you're in Anaheim now. Um, yeah. So actually, yeah, my Facebook's a little outdated. I guess I was in Anaheim for a couple of years, um, but uh, since then, from Anaheim, I moved to to Utah and then headed to Washington D.C. Good for you. So now uh, I've been a Laker fan pretty much since I was a five-year-old kid. And uh, my all-time favorite Laker is uh, Kobe Bryant. But my current favorite Laker now since uh, the Lonzo, since uh, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball have been traded, they've been my favorites. I thought they would be for years to come. But now that they're Pelicans, I think now my favorite Laker has to be Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, it sounds like we have a, quite a bit in common. I became a Laker fan. Uh, when I was about four or five years old, um, uh, my brother, he was really the only other big sports fan, uh, well, that had a team, an NBA team in our house, and he was a big Houston Rockets fan. He's nine years older than me, and uh, he's Houston Rockets fan his entire life, loved Hakeem the Dream, and uh, so when I was about four or five, starting to understand what basketball really was and to gain a true love for it. Um, he was a big Rockets fan and being competitive, I couldn't like the same team that he did. And I went over to a friend's house, uh, and he had an older brother and his older brother was a huge Lakers fan. And he had, it was the 1997 season and Kobe Bryant, uh, recently just signed an endorsement with Sprite 
and he had this pyramid of Sprite cans with Kobe on it in his bedroom that was like three or four feet tall. Um, and that was the first time I ever laid my eyes on Kobe. And ever since then, he became my true love. And it was perfect because it was not the Rockets and it was a team that I could grow to love. And so that's really how I became a Laker fan. And ever since then, Kobe uh, Kobe has been my one true love, my favorite basketball player, probably will be my favorite basketball player. Of all time. He's my of favorite Laker of all time. Kobe Bryant is already in that category. It's my favorite Laker of all time because, you know, nobody, ever since he retired, I felt like nobody could replace Kobe because I feel like the Lakers were – Kobe was L.A. And he was the Lakers. And he represented five championship rings. And I know we haven't won a championship in quite a long time. We're going to talk about that today. And we're also going to talk about the NBA draft and recap and recap it all. Since I know I know the draft was pretty insane. And then next week on our show, you better be ready for 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 to tell me who you think is going to go where when we do our free agent show. This NBA offseason, I think, is going to be insane. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be wild. There's going to be a lot of movement. Um but uh, yeah, I'm ready. I think I've got some some pretty good predictions, so I'll be uh, I'll be ready on Tuesday for that show. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's what we're gonna accomplish. So we're only doing basketball stuff. All right. So uh, do, do you have your, is your favorite Laker right now, Kyle Kuzma, like me? Um, I mean, probably. I mean, it's it's pretty insane that. Kuz, who was drafted only two years ago, is the longest tenured Laker. Um, but just the type of player that he is, the leadership qualities that he possesses, um, and just his his charisma and his, I guess, his kind of like his hunger that he just wants to, to be better and he wants to be the best he can be. I mean, ultimately, his rookie season, he started working out with Kobe, um, and that was something, you know, that Brandon Ingram never did, Lonzo Ball never did, and that's something – that not only that Kyle had to choose for himself, but also that Kobe recognized that Kyle Kuzma has this potential in him, that he can be an absolute killer on the court, and that Kobe believes in him. And I think that was something that that spoke uh, widely to me. And, I mean, it's just kind of been recently reported in the last week or so. But inside the Lakers organization, it was evident that um, among the young core that they had in Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, that Kyle Kuzma was the one player that they truly believed could elevate the franchise with his leadership potential. Um, and he could be the one to uh, really lead and be that, that strong locker room presence that you need through a full 82 game season and into the playoffs. So I think the, just looking from that standpoint, Kyle Kuzma really has all the attributes and uh, has the tools to become a really, really good player in the NBA. He does. And that's why he was off limits in trade talks. Yeah, and that's yeah exactly, and that's why they prioritize him so much. And uh, we can get into the trade a little bit later, but um, why maybe you know the Lakers were willing to throw in some some future first round picks as sweeteners instead of throwing in Kuzma or to to maybe try and keep a different player, but that they really, from an ownership standpoint and a front office standpoint, Kyle Kuzma was the one person that they did not want to give up in the Anthony Davis trade. No, they did not. I think the Anthony. We'll t- get into that later. So, so I, I think I also kn- want to know is that did you get any? Uh, did you get any? Do you have 
does your uh, daughter have any Lakers gear, like a Kobe Bryant baby jersey or something like that? Uh, she does have some Lakers gear. Um, I think she has just kind of like one of those, uh, just kind of like Laker onesie deals. And then I believe she does have like one of those Laker jersey, jersey things. It's kind of just like a onesie outfit, but it does have Lakers and 24 and Bryant on the back of it. So she's getting uh, introduced at a very early age as she should. Yeah, she's probably gonna grow. She's probably gonna grow up being a basketball player. I think. I think so. She uh, playing she, the WNBA. Hey, maybe the doctors say she's pretty tall um, in the 90th percentile for her height for her age. So that's a good sign moving forward. For her to play ball, is she is she starting to play the game? Is she starting to play? Is she starting to shoot the ball on early, like a, a little baby uh, basketball rim and uh, and ball. Well, she actually has been carrying around a full-size ball, um, and it weighs almost as much as she does, but she'll, she'll carry it around. And then we have this little uh, – uh, it's actually a, a trash can, but it's, 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 it looks like a basketball hoop and it's shaped like a basketball hoop. So she'll take the ball and she'll just go put it in there. And then in the bathtub, she has some little plastic basketballs with a little bathtub basketball hoop. So she enjoys it pretty much. Yeah, and I know your wife has some Laker gear too. She has a Kobe jersey I saw on your uh, Facebook yeah, she uh, she's done pretty well to uh, support her own gear, and uh, when she needs to, she can borrow some of mine. So she she's a Lakers fan as well. Yeah, she uh, she knew when she married me, she didn't really have a choice. It's Lakers or bust. So she she went the she went the right route and chose the Lakers. As long as she did not cho- chose the Boston Celtics, then she's she's in good hands. Yeah, no, no, she made a good choice. That was a good choice, but I, I saw that you got you got a lot of Kobe jerseys on your Facebook. But now, let's get right into the real deal. So, our NBA draft recap. I thought it was a good draft, and I think the Pelicans won the draft along with the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I think the Hawks and the, Pel- and the Pelicans, um, at least from a paper standpoint, definitely were able to – in a sense, yeah, win the draft. The Pelic or the Hawks, excuse me. The Hawks have going into next season will have seven players on rookie contracts, um, and then that's going to be a good team right there. Yeah, they're going to be young. young. They're going to be good. Cam Reddish and grow. And RJ Hunter. And I no, go ahead. I, I said RJ Hunter, and I think I think I predicted on on previous podcasts that that in. Throughout with the lottery picks, I think most of the top ten in this draft are going to be day one starters. Yeah, I agree. And if you look at the teams they go to, um, you know, and just I guess quickly, uh, just on the Pelicans' note, David Griffin really turning that fourth pick in that he got from the Lakers, um, turning that into eight and seventeen and thirty-five. That was really impressive. Um, but maybe even more impressive was the Hawks. How a lot of people um, wanted to get eight and 10 from the Hawks, maybe so the Hawks could trade down um, into the early, early lottery because the Hawks had been eyeing DeAndre Hunter for a long time. Um, and so I know David Griffin, especially he tried to get picks eight and 10, but the, the, the Hawks wouldn't budge on pick 10. And so for the Hawks to be able to slide up to number four, take DeAndre Hunter and then take Cam Reddish at 10, um, who I think, I think Cam Reddish did not get, the proper look he deserved at Duke because it was so crowded with the Zion hype and the RJ Barrett hype that I think Cam Reddish is really going to be a solid player. 
Um, he's really long. He's really lengthy. He has a really good shot. He's quick. He's really athletic. And uh, Cam Reddish is going to be someone that I think within that young court in Atlanta is going to be someone that will really be able to highlight what they're doing in Atlanta and will be a really nice addition to play off the ball next to Trey Young. Um, so, I mean, yeah, kudos to the Hawks, kudos to the Pelicans. Obviously, the Pelicans getting Zion Williamson was huge. Jackson Hayes is going to be um, – he's going to be a work in progress. I don't think we should hype on him just yet. I think he he's will probably, he's gonna be two a, to three I expect uh, Jackson Hayes actually to be the Pelicans starting center next to Zion Williamson. Yeah, he sure could. I think we'll uh, we'll have to see how else they fill out the roster. I mean, Jalil Okafor, for as poor of a career, I guess, if you want to say that he's had, being the third overall pick back in 2015, um, Jalil last year finished the season really well for the Pelicans. He had some really solid games. They really liked him, and he's on a super cheap, team-friendly deal. So I think Jalil and Jackson Hayes will battle it out. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalil starts just because um, – just because kind of of his veteranship over Jackson and maybe they want Jackson to kind of learn and to really want to earn his way in there so he can really show that he has something to prove. But Jackson Hayes is going to be someone playing next to Zion Williamson. That's going to be really fun to watch, especially if Lonzo ball stays with the Pelicans um, and he's throwing lobs to Zion and Jackson Hayes. It's the Pelicans are going to be a really fun team to watch. They will be. And then Atlanta will be a, will be a, uh, Fun team to watch, too. I expect RJ Hunter to start at the two guard and then Cam Reddish starts at the three. Yeah, I think uh, I think Cam Reddish, um, he will, and uh, Hunter, um, kind of more of the three and D guy. It'll be interesting to see. He's what a two way player, though. He's a good all around two way player. Yeah, he is a two way player. From the, uh, from the champion, from the national champion, uh, Virginia Cavalier. Yeah, and uh, he is definitely a two-way player. It'll just be interesting to see with Trey Young and Cam Reddish and even John Collins with all that offense. They're really going to need uh, DeAndre Hunter on defense so that he can uh, he can really show his worth there. I mean, he can. You're right. He can play both sides of the ball really well. He's a really good two-way player. But, I mean, they're extremely potent on offense, and Trey Young is not a good defender at all just because of his size. So, um, they're really going to need Hunter to step up on the defensive end, which he will uh, because he's just so good in doing that. And then, and then I also want to say I think who lost the draft was I'm going to say uh, maybe Phoenix because I felt like Phoenix, although Phoenix did draft their point guard of the future in the later rounds, which was good, but I felt like that they keep drafting small forwards. That's why they're the loser in the draft. They they need to draft other needs too, you know. They have to prioritize getting backboard help for Brent Devin Booker, which they did, but in the later round. I just felt like they should have gotten Darius Garland. Yeah, they could have gone up and taken Darius Garland. Uh, I mean, they were only at six before they made that trade with the Timberwolves. Um, or, yeah, and uh, or the Pacers, I guess. Well, the Timberwolves. Pacers got TJ Warren in the 32nd pick. But, um, yeah, they really – the the Phoenix Suns, the the recipe of their draft was just kind of how we've seen that franchise run in the last five to six years. Um, that they made a big reach for Cam Johnson with their first pick, um, and then they were able to secure their point guard that they needed. Uh, but yeah, Ty Jerome, yeah, Ty Jerome is going to start next to Devin Booker. 
yeah, and Ty, Ty Jerome has gotten a lot of praise. A lot of people like him. Um, but Phoenix, if they really wanted Cam Johnson that bad, I believe they could have traded back and picked up an additional asset and took him like maybe around 20, maybe even a little later than that. Um, but ultimately, I believe if you're a front office and your guy is available and it's the guy you want, no matter where he's on the board, if you truly believe in him and you truly believe that once he's in your culture, he can become the player that you want him to become, you have to take that guy if you truly believe it. Um, and so I believe that Phoenix really did think that Cam Johnson is an impact player for them. Um, I don't know if it's next year, but in the near future. He's probably going to start off as a sixth time. man. Yeah, and I think if they if they really believe in him and they really want him to start off as that sixth man, maybe move into a starting five role, um, and to become an impact player next to Devin Booker, then then hey, no one can fault them for for that pick. But I think it was it was a stretch, uh, especially on the surface of things. Also, we want to point out who I think is going to be another sleeper to watch in this in this draft class is R.J. Barrett. The New York Knicks, I think, are going to be one of those fun teams to watch next season. Getting R.J. Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, that's going to be a very good. Uh, very good uh, core five in this uh, new, uh, in the in this rebuilding New York Knicks team. I don't think, to be honest with you, I don't think the Knicks are going to get Kyrie and KD. I think the Knicks are more of in a rebuild mode with younger players. Yeah, the closer we get to free agency, it sure sounds like Kyrie and KD that neither of them are headed to the Knicks. Um, to be completely honest, the more I've thought about it since the draft, I think RJ Barrett might be outside of Zion, my favorite player going forward. I mean, it was less than a year ago. He was ranked as the number one prospect going into this draft, and then Zion obviously took that over in this last season. But, I mean, Zion and RJ, they were not a great fit next to each other at Duke, and I think RJ Barrett was limited um, in just kind of his role uh, because of the impact of Zion. But I think RJ, he will be given the green light in New York, and he will be able to shine. And I think RJ Barrett – at some point in his career, maybe seven, eight years in the future when he's in the prime of his prime, I believe that he has the potential and the opportunity to be a top seven player in the NBA. Um, I'm really high on R.J. Barrett. I think he has a lot of potential. I think he's a really good kid. He knows how to work hard. He's proved that his entire life. Um, and he's going to New York where he has the opportunity to really show it on the big stage. So I am really excited for RJ Barrett. And I think, I think he's going to handle the New York media very well. I think the Knicks are going to be, a, they're going to be competitive next year, but are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. Give them another year or two. Yeah. I don't think they'll make it quite but, next year. Um, but yeah, I do agree. I think, I think with RJ Barrett and building the core around him, I think the sky's the limit for the Knicks franchise moving forward. Should have kept Chris Stapps for Zingas if it weren't for that, uh, Stupid James Dolan guy. Yeah, that trade uh, that trade is probably going to be looking worse and worse, especially if they can't land Kevin Durant or another Max guy that's worthy to take that money. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what New York ends up doing with their cap space this summer or, or the following summer. I, I, there's a lot of people that think like this in New York. They're like, we don't want to play for the Knicks because of James Dolan. Because James Dolan is a, the worst owner in the NBA, and he banned a New York Knicks fan for uh, he threatened a New York band New York Knicks fan when when someone yelled at him, "Sell the team." Yeah, it's it's remember that. Oh was, yeah, like, no, I remember. He was like walking inside to the uh, other room, and then a fan told him to sell the team. 
Yeah, James Dolan, uh, he doesn't do well with – he has bunny – he has rabbit ears, so he hears everything. But it's uh, it's pretty evident around the league um, and really anyone that when it comes to the topic of ownership that James Dolan is regarded as one of, if not the worst owner in uh, in the NBA and maybe even in professional sports. Yeah, and uh, and then remember on St. Paddy's Day, there was someone that says Ban Dolan on the March 17th game against the Lakers. Oh, yeah, the, that was good times. And, uh, and then we should have – the Lakers should have won that game. It, since they lost to the Knicks twice this past season, that told us that they weren't a playoff team. Oh, yeah, they had two melt – I mean – the game at Staples this last year where they absolutely got destroyed by the Knicks who at the time were the that worst team That made me want to fall league. asleep. It was the Lakers, uh, the Lakers lost to one of the worst teams in the NBA. And if that happens, I just want to fall asleep because how do you how do you lose to a team like that? And you shouldn't. Oh, yeah. No, you absolutely shouldn't. And just, you know, there was just so many as – they will call it quote distractions this summer or excuse me this year uh just with the the ad trade saga that happened in february um but then just carrying over through all of the injuries that just absolutely plagued the lakers um that they really were never able to to play together as a full team and find their rhythm and energy um but that's one thing that uh should be a really bright spot moving forward especially going into a new league year with Kyle Kuzma, LeBron James and Anthony Davis and depending on who they add in free agency, that um, it, it's going to be a night and day difference from last Lakers season to this coming Lakers season. Absolutely. So now, now that being said, we'll talk about uh, we'll preview the Lakers season and just a mi- off season in just a minute. So my pick to win the NBA Rookie of the Year next season is Zion Williamson. Yeah, I think Zion is probably the consensus overall pick to be Rookie of the Year. I mean, bearing any. Uh, injuries injuries i think zion should win it rj barrett being in new york it'll it's going to be interesting to see because zion really does have a pretty solid team around him compared to any other like high profile rookies um i think zion is set up best for success and just as an impact player he he obviously has the highest ceiling of of any rookie coming in so i agree with you i I would also take zion williamson as my i think don't sleep on rj barrett though because i think I also predict that R.J. Barrett's going to be a day one starter for the Knicks, and he's going to start next to Dennis Smith Jr. in the backcourt. I think that combo is going to be great, and I think Frank Nilakina now will be a sixth man. Yeah, we'll we'll see what, what happens with Frank. Um, I, I know that he has very little trade value in the league right now, and the Knicks, even around the draft, were just trying to get a second-round pick for him, and they couldn't even do that. So we'll see how Frank cracks the rotation. Um, but yeah, with with RJ said, Barrett, and Dennis Smith Jr., and Mitchell Robinson for uh, Frank Nilakina. Yeah, who did I say? You said that Nilakina might fit the system for the Knicks now that they have RJ Barrett now. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I was saying that I expect Nilakina to be the uh, New York Knicks sixth man. Yeah, and I and I can I can see that as well. Um, he'll really have to. To improve, I mean, here's one thing: when Neil Keenan came into the league and he was projected and even went as a top ten pick, I I did not understand what the hype was around him because in France, the one year before he declared for the draft, he averaged five and a half points a game, and people were salivating over him. And I was no, I mean, I watched his 
um, his, his pre-draft and his workouts. And I never understood what the hype was with Frank. Um, and obviously he hasn't shown in New York. So, I mean, all the best to him. Hopefully he can, he can fit well and fulfill that sixth man role in New York. Um, and if he can do that, the Knicks are going to really expedite this rebuild really quick and, and become a team where free agents are going to be serious to go to, to play with him and RJ Barrett. Yeah, and uh, don't forget Dennis Smith Jr., who I, I thought he was the the Mavs franchise. He was the future of the Mavericks, but I think New York Knicks fans are happy that they got Dennis Smith Jr. back in return of that Chris Stapps Porzingis deal, who I thought the Knicks should have not traded. No, I agree. I don't think they should have traded him either. And even in the draft, I thought the Knicks should have taken Dennis Smith Jr. over Frank Nielakina, but Frank went eight to the Knicks, and then Dennis Smith went nine to the Mavericks. So now uh, – at the cost of Kristaps Porzingis, which it wasn't worth it, but at the cost of him, they're able to have both of those guys. So um, it, the Knicks have a really young core, and uh, it'll be exciting to watch them moving forward. They got a good young core, the Knicks doing. Also, let's talk about the second pick in the draft. And, I, and this this guy right here is going to be now the successor to Mike Conley. Now Mike Conley is now a member of the Utah Jazz. And that's John Morant from Murray State. And I watched Murray State play in the NCAA tournament this past year. And John Morant can play. And I, I'm excited to see him play in the NBA. He's like one of those guys that's going to be a game changer and a clutch player, great defender, great shooter. I think, uh, I think John Morant is actually going to be a big part of this Memphis Grizzlies rebuild. Yeah, John Morant, uh, he was given the keys this week in Memphis. There's no doubt about that. Um, he's a high flyer, high IQ basketball player, really smart, quick. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be really exciting in Memphis. And now that Mike Conley is out of the way and Jaw can come in and take over, um, and really be the face of the franchise. I think that's huge for him. You're able to see Talk uh, about Grayson Allen being a pairing with him. Yeah, that, uh, that will be something to look forward to. And I also think with John Morant, um, being in Memphis, um, just kind of how it was with Murray State, there wasn't any other NBA caliber players on that Murray State team that he got to the NCAA tournament. And even in that first round win that they were able to take, John Morant, you could see he just elevated himself over everyone else. And when he goes to Memphis, um, we might not see that a lot in year one, uh, but I think years two and three, you'll see see John Morant as a really promising one of the, the top five NBA players under 25 years old. So uh, he's someone that's really exciting that uh, really came onto everyone's radar uh, th- this year. And I think, and I expect John Morant to be the starting one guard for Memphis. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a safe assumption. And then talk about uh, Darius Garland to Cleveland. I think this moves Colin Sexton to the two and then Darius Garland, the one. And I think. Yeah, this is a move that I really like for Cleveland. Uh, I think Darius Garland has, yeah, I think Darius Garland has some of the highest potential um, of any of the top ten picks outside of maybe Zion and R.J. Barrett. I think Darius Garland could become a Chris Paul type player. Um, he's a little bit undersized for what some point guards are in the NBA today. Um, I think he's like six two, six three, but he has the potential to be really good. And even though he only played four or five games for Vanderbilt this year, um, he has a really good shot, uh, which is something that is so important for point guards uh, in today's NBA is to be able to shoot the ball. Um, and so that pick along next to Colin Sexton, uh, 
in Cleveland. I think that's going to be a fun backcourt to watch grow up over the next few years. Yeah, and uh, Gar- and I and I expect like 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 Marat being the day one starter in Memphis. I expect Darius Garland to be the Cavs starting one guard, and then that moves Colin Sexton to the two guard. I do too, and that's where he's going to be able to grow the most is if they they allow him to come in and make make mistakes early so that he can learn and to grow. And again, I think Darius Garland, I'm really high on him. I think he's going to be a really good player in the NBA. And talk about Kobe White on the Chicago Bulls. I was thinking the Chicago Bulls would get Cam Reddish, but however, since I didn't, I didn't know that they had Otto Porter Jr. and part of that young core of the Bulls, Kobe White is a guy that I think he's going to be a ch- franchise changer for the Bulls. He's already going to be the he's going to be penciled in as the starting one guard over over uh, Chris Dunn of the uh, over Chris Dunn. I think he and uh, Zach Levine are going to work very well together. Yeah, I think he'll be a nice fit next to Zach Levine. I didn't watch a lot of Kobe White um, this year, but the games I did watch were the big games against Duke and other ACC matchups. Um, and in those games, Kobe White came to play. He showed that he was one of the best players on the court, and that's something that Chicago really needs. Um, they're, for the most part, a younger team. Um, and so just the energy and the quickness that Kobe White brings to a team is so, so valuable. And I believe that he'll be a really nice fit in Chicago. Um, and he's he's another core piece that they'll, they'll be able to move, uh, they'll be able to build off of as uh, the, the, the timing for Chris Dunn in Chicago could be coming to an end much sooner than later. So Kobe White is a, is a great piece for them to build off of. Yeah, and the Bulls are, I think, one of these teams that are heading into the right direction. Yeah, and I would, they're drafting very well. They're drafting well, um, and I mean, they have the ability to create cap space. And so, I don't know if this year, but I think in the next two or three years, you'll see higher profile players looking more seriously at the Chicago market and the Bulls as a team. Uh, and that I think they can ultimately again be a free agent destination. And then let's talk about. Uh, Rui Achamura to the Washington Wizards. I thought that's a great pick for them. He's going to be their starting four, and I think he's going to be. I think he's if he improves on his shooting, I think he's going to be. He's going to be good. I think John Wall and Bradley Beal are going to love playing with him. Yeah, among any other pick in the top ten, uh, Rui going to Washington. I think if he's able to learn from Bradley Beal. Um, I think he'll be able to be a, a good player quickly, um, just kind of around the league. I know that there was executives and people on their draft board who thought he went maybe a little too quick. But again, if Washington really loved him and they believe in him, it was a great pick for them. But I think his fit in Washington alongside Bradley Beal and John Wall when he comes back uh, from injury – I think Hachimara has the opportunity to be a solid a solid four who can stretch the floor and, and hit down those open shots. So he's one player that, I mean, I'm not expecting immediate success from. I think he'll take a couple of years, but his growth next to Bradley Beal is something that I think will be really, really valuable. And then let's talk about uh, the Miami. Let's talk about Cameron. Jo- we already talked about Cameron Johnson, but with the Timberwolves, what I think they're getting out of Jared Culliver is – I think he's going to help them in that area of shooting because I think now it moves Andrew Wiggins to the three and then you start Jared Culliver at the two. Yeah, I think 
I think that's true. Um, it was interesting because for a minute there, it seemed like the T-Wolves wanted to get off Andrew Wiggins. I mean, they put him on the trade market, and then I think they realized there wasn't really a market for Andrew Wiggins because he has a monster contract, and he hasn't lived up to his potential, so they kind of downplayed those rumors. Uh, I think, honestly, not to hurt Wiggins' feelings, but um, Culver there, he's a prospect that I'm really curious to watch because um, – I wasn't sure how much of his success came from just the championship run um, versus truly the type of player he is. Um, and so I think he's one player that could from day one really show us that he's made to be in the NBA or also kind of be like a Andrew Wiggins type player where he's got the athleticism and he's got the tools. He just can't quite figure out how to put it to paper. So um, he's one player that I, I believe in and it'll be fun to watch. Um, but the Timberwolves, again, they they have a young core. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, he's only been around for four years. Wiggins has been around for five years. You're bringing in Culver. They have Tyus Jones. Um, that Timberwolves team is another team that, because of how youthful and young they are, um, they're either going to start figuring out with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and Culver if they can win with this group or if they're going to have to try and move off Wiggins and maybe bring in another piece that can fit. Uh, but the Timberwolves, I think, have a pretty solid nucleus. They're just in a loaded Western Conference, so that makes it difficult for them. They're going to be – I think the Timberwolves are going to be a fun team to watch again in, in the upcoming season. I, I think they have a great young core, but I think they're going to – I feel like that they can – I feel like with this young core, the Timberwolves can win. With with Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns has really proved himself that he can be an All NBA player, um, and so if he's willing to take that that on, and he's you know he can get the twenty three twenty four points a game with twelve and a half rebounds, I think the Timberwolves could legitimately be a, a force in the Western Conference. And then let's talk about PJ Washington now with the Charlotte Hornets. I think PJ Washington. I think is going to be a great player. I think I think he probably will take over the starting four role over Marvin Williams, who I think is getting older. I think he's gonna he's gonna be the uh, he's gonna be kind of like an Andre Iguodala kind of thing in uh, Charlotte now. Yeah, PJ Washington. You know he's got great size. He's six seven, almost around forty pounds. Um, this the Charlotte the Hornets have a big off season in front of them uh, with. Uh, whether or not they're going to bring back Kemba Walker and all the other money they have tied up. So this was really a crucial pick for them um, since they won't have a lot of uh, potential to add through free free agency and they don't have some of the greatest trade assets. So P.J. Washington, um, you know, he's a Kentucky product. I never count out these Kentucky guys when they make it to the NBA. He averaged, I think, like 16 points and about six and a half rebounds. Um, and as I said, he's got great size. Um and so he's, he's a legitimate shooter uh, who can space the floor and can hit down shots and even create his own shots. So I think that's a really good pick for the Hornets that has really good value at, at number 12. And then at number 13, I think Deion Waiters will now be a six man now because I now expect Tyler Hero to be the starting two guard next to Goran Dragic. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And Tyler Hero was um, someone that, that really came into the light this year. Um, again, another really good shooter from Kentucky. Um, and he'll be able to stretch the floor, hit down open shots. I think he has the chance to be a really good scorer. 
um, maybe even a glorified J.J. Redick type of score. Um, he has a great shot, um, and that's something that, especially with the health issues that Dion Waiters has had in Miami, that's something that the Miami Heat really need, and a lot of people really, really like Tyler Hero and his potential, so I think that was a really good pick for Miami. And then... Um, don't you think yeah I think uh, you know well it's actually um, I wasn't when it comes to to the fit in Boston uh, just because of kind of what's been happening in Boston over the last few weeks without Horford opting out and Kyrie Irving you know I'm hoping that there's there's a way for these guys to really fit well um, in Boston but I think he'll be a good fit Um, I think Boston is really going to start building around this young core that they have um, in the addition of this pick, but also with, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart is still pretty young. He's, he was drafted in 2014. So he's only been around for five or six years. Um, And so depending on what they do with Terry Rozier, I think they're going to have a solid nuclear. I think Terry Rozier will be in the starting it will be a starting one guard because I think Kyrie might be yeah, a Lakers. Kyrie's leaving. I think I personally think he's going to the Nets, but uh You mean he's gonna team yeah, up I with Kevin Durant in happen. Brooklyn? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, man. I think the Lakers and I think we could get D'Angelo yeah, Russell back. Sounds like a possibility. I'm open to it. I mean so we'll save our other draft picks for another time because we're going to be talking about the, the all 30 NBA teams and what they have in store this offseason and, and all that. So now that being said, uh, let's talk about questions about the other stuff about the NBA. Do you think Ka- Ka- Kawhi will remain a Raptor or join the Lakers or the Clippers? Do you think Kyrie will join AD and Braun in the Lakers? Or do you think Clay and uh, – KD will remain a warrior on the max, or you could see either one staying, and that would be Clay Thompson. I don't think Clay. Yeah, Thompson's I don't going think Clay's anywhere. going anywhere, especially with this injury. Um, I think the Warriors are going to take care of him. I think they're going to offer him that full five-year max, and I think Clay would have a really tough time turning that away. Um, the next this next season for. But I think Clay Thompson will probably be back yeah, in January. Yeah, I think he'll be back in January, maybe February. Um, they definitely won't rush him back. Uh, they want him to to come back healthy uh, because he has a he still got some quality years ahead of him. But I think I think just he and Steph Curry play well together. Yeah, the they, Splash uh, Bros they play really well together. They're one of the best one-two punches, arguably the greatest shooting backcourt that the NBA has ever seen. Um, but I think Clay does take that max. As far as Kawhi Leonard goes, I think. Kawhi ultimately comes down to a short-term deal with the Raptors or either the Clippers or the Lakers. I think those are the only main teams. I, I'm a big believer that if the Lakers get to the $32 million in cap space, which they, they can do, and if Kawhi Leonard tells them on July 1st or July 2nd and he says, hey, I'm coming, but you have to get to that $32 million max for me, they'll trade Wagner, Bonga, and Jamario Jones to make that happen. Um, and I think they might even already have a deal lined up uh, that says if Kawhi's come in there, that team, whoever that incoming team is, maybe the Atlanta Hawks are willing um, to take on them and the Lakers will pull the trigger. I think the Lakers are in serious consideration for Kawhi Leonard, despite what some of the other reports say. Um, 
and I think the big three with LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard is is easily going to be the best team in the NBA, no matter what bench uh, they fill out around them. I know you need depth in the NBA, but Kawhi Leonard joining LeBron James and Anthony Davis, um, that's going to be a force, and it's just it's just tough for me to see another team uh, outplay that. And then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, um, I firmly believe that Kyrie is going to go to the Brooklyn Nets, and I think Kevin Durant's going to go to the Nets too. Um, and that's going to be an ultimate gut punch for the Knicks, as the Knicks thought they were going to get Kevin Durant all along and maybe even Kyrie Irving, and he goes to Brooklyn. I think both of those guys are going to Brooklyn. Um, ultimately, though, if Kevin Durant doesn't go to Brooklyn, I think he goes to the Knicks. Um, and I I would bet it all that Kevin Durant leaves Golden State this summer. I just don't see him coming back. Yeah, But I you think Clay, Clay will Clay stay, will though? Stay, and I think it'll be... But KD can't yeah, play next can't year, play, um, But I think Kevin Durant, even though he can't play next year, and I know he's coming off an Achilles injury, which is very serious, um, he'll be 31 or 32 when he comes. 